0: You are listening to the
1: Thundercling Podcast. <laughs> Just rippling abs. How are we gonna get fucking sponsored by these guys if we can't even get the name right?
0: Did you say you're doing
2: wrestling moves?
0: Oh god, I'm bleeding. Jason Kael is walking around on stilts fucked up. I'm looking for a Hi, I'm Feedy. My name is Dave and you're listening to the thundercling podcast, podcast. Road, road rules edition that's right it's road rules edition because unlike normal episodes where we record inside of a room we're in dave's <laughs> <laughs> we're in dave's van we're hurtling down the highway yes
1: at 195 miles per hour. It's the only speed we know. Because that <laughs> fucking badass quote, dude. I that, I like that, what you just said. It's the only speed we know. Um. Yeah, we, so we don't have a whole lot of time. Everybody's no. busy. We're a little bit busy right now. So yeah. we're driving back to Denver at 9 o'clock at night after interviewing the owner of Sender Films. Peter Mortimer. Yes, the filmmaker that has brought you, along with Josh Lowell, of course. Correct. Uh, the real rocks, fucking all the real rocks. Yeah. King lines, progression, uh, Valley Uprising,
0: Dawnwall. Hon- Wall. Honestly, his contribution to the world of climbing films is second to none. Be- uh, yeah, yeah. It can't be overstated. It can't be overstated. So it was pretty cool to meet him uh, as a, a longtime fan. I'm not gonna lie, felt a little fanboy. I'm sorry. I can't help Dude, how I, don't I know feel. Why you're fucking so so starstruck by so starstruck. everybody. Yeah, it's a problem. Dave just asked me to come along, and I we talked to these cool people. Who I'm like, oh, uh, oh yeah, it's pr- yeah, it's cool. You was super cool
1: about this too. <laughs> we got to see, oh
2: the, my the, god, fr- yeah. the,
1: his the studio,
0: like the Sender Films World headquarters. It was extremely cozy. It was. <laughs> It was pretty sick. It was pretty cool, man. I wish I worked in some a place like that. They were just delivered today 10 cases
1: of new Belgium beer. Yes. Which you and Peter imbibed in. I had a
0: 30-ounce Frappuccino that I was trying to... <laughs> on the drive up, Dave was like, oh, man, I've had so much caffeine. But let's stop at Starbucks so I can get this 30-ounce Frappuccino. Yeah, I'm on a diet. Like, I, uh, yeah, Dave, that's beer. totally fine. It's not a problem. You don't have a problem.
1: No, I fucking thank you. Um... So I feel like I'm a little bit off here driving with like a crack pipe <laughs> in one hand and a mic in the other. We're trying our hardest. Um, oh, is this we safe? We don't really have a whole lot to say. I do have a story. Can I tell you a story, Yeah, Dave. Dave tell me a story. Okay. So check this out. Uh, we're going to guess that a lot of you guys have either seen Real Rock or going to see Real Rock soon. And of course, that's why we had Peter on right now. Um, so, okay. Put yourself in this place. 2010. I'm going to Bishop for, I don't know, three weeks or whatever. Okay. But four weeks before I went to Bishop, I broke my leg.
0: Standard. the only
1: time I ever broke my leg in a goddamn gym. <laughs> but it was my first time going to Bishop in three years or something like that. I'd been overseas for a while, and I was so psyched. Mm-hmm. So I was just like, fuck it. We got to Bishop. I ripped off my cast yeah. or my walking boot, I guess I was in. Free yourself from your chains, dude. That's right. Threw down my crutches. And climbed very, very poorly. <laughs> but this dude uh-huh. kept coming to our campsite. Mm-hmm. Like, he'd come up and he'd be like, hey, guys, how's it going? And he was kind of like, a, kind of a noob. Kind of, He was a college kid, kind yeah. of had his baby fat. Baby but he, fat. He, he was smiling all the time and telling, like, terrible jokes. And we loved him. <laughs> and his name was Jim. And we, not to his face, but we called him Joker Jim. Okay? <laughs> Great guy. Yeah. Every morning we'd share beers with him, have coffee. Never really climbed with him, uh. But anyway, who wants to climb with a one-legged climber anyway? So, ha- at the end of our trip, he fucked up his ankle or knee, really, really bad. Yeah. And I remember he like hobbled, just barely could make it to our campsite. We're like, Jim, what happened? He's like, oh, I took a bad fall. I wrecked my ankle, oh, and shoot. I was like, dude, you know, you. We're leaving and I'm tired of these crutches. Yeah. So just ha- take my crutches. You can have them. Joker Jim. So we, we gave Joker Jim my crutches. Now check this out. Do you know who who I just found out cuz in my mind Joker Jim is like this 22-year-old Joker pudgy like noob. Yeah. Joker Jim, it turns out broke the fucking nose speed record last year. <laughs> And he, with
0: Brad Gobright, he is Jim Reynolds. Oh, my God. Can you
1: freaking believe that?
0: I love weird coincidences like that. They're just so... Every time they happen, you're just like, God damn. What are the fucking chances of that? It's a small
1: little tiny climbing world, you know? So the moral of that story is when you meet a noob or you meet, like, a grommet or some kid who's just getting into it, dude, tread lightly because... One day, very soon, they're going to be burning your hairy ass straight off the rock. That's what I'm saying.
0: Wow. I love that story because... It's so crazy. It's so crazy. Full circle. Real rock. Peter Mortimer.
1: Yes. Yeah, so we were... (laughs)
0: were, Now we're kind of in a traffic jam. Sorry, I'm just distracted by the fact that (laughs) why is there traffic at 10 p.m.? Dude, this is nuts. Anyways. Um... Also, Should Dave, I start honking? Also, Dave keeps taking. He's telling the story and he's gesticulating with his hands, and it makes me sweat. A well, little the, bit. One yeah. the, yeah, the one hand that's holding the wheel. Yeah, the one hand that's holding the crack pipe and the wheel keeps coming off the the wheel. And the fucking crack pipes getting hot. Like this little sweat bead just dripping. Don't down. Don't worry, dude. I'm I've been driving for like twenty five years. Oh
1: okay. We're g- yeah. Oh my god, thirty years, twenty nine years. What? I am fucking
0: old, bro. I know sometimes I, hate,
1: I don't like thinking about that let's not talk about it yeah anymore. let's not it talk about, me about it sad. Okay. <laughs> okay well you
0: don't have anything to be sad about dude you're just looking at your sad
1: pathetic future um, oh. so peter mortimer on the show we've already gone over his uh discography a bit yeah um Fuck, I guess that's really not much more to talk about. He's a, he's a boulder boy, born and raised. <laughs> boulder boy. He's a Dude, I yeah. here, you take it over. I'm driving.
0: Yeah. Take you, us out. Honestly, um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode because Peter Mortimer tells some good stories about how Real Rock got started. His His perspective on climbing film and the climbing how climbing film has grown so much because the climbing industry as a whole is growing a ton so
1: inside stories about the dawn wall about many yes. of the real rocks oh my god the, the pressure that, well, he, that people can feel like filming these you know maybe one go once in a lifetime achievements yes.
0: with the yeah. greatest climbers in the world at the peak of their abilities i mean we these films you know these filmmakers are have to be really selfless and you know when they make these films it's all about the subjects and they sort of they're like these films are just saturated with their struggle too you know they were there for seven years filming while Tom was trying and then an extra three years trying to craft some kind of narrative out of the thousands of hours of footage I'm sure they had which is honestly if you've never worked in editing anything is a task daunting on it onto itself so I don't know Uh, check it out. (laughs) Oh, wait
1: a second. No, we got to tell one more story. This will only take a second. So when we were driving, when Feedy and I were driving up, um, we were kind of joking about asking. Actually, Lynn, my girlfriend, was like, "Ask Peter what his don wall was," and Feedy was like, "I bet his don wall was fucking the don wall," (laughs) and we didn't even ask the question. And Peter said that he's He's like, like... "Everybody always asks me what my don wall was," and I'm always like, "Dude, it was." Making the dog, dog you son <laughs> of a bitch. <laughs> so, uh, so meta. Yeah. Anyway, all Jesus. Right. We're let's uh we're in too much traffic, I can't concentrate.
0: Yeah, hopefully you enjoy it. Uh we'll see you on the other side. J'bye. J'bye. The
2: chain, the the
1: no.
0: Is that where you guys record all your voiceover stuff?
2: Uh no. I mean we do scratch. Yeah, yeah okay. but we do it all, wherever. Just whoever is <laughs> recording. I'm narrating this Marc Andre Leclerc film
0: nice you're
1: narrating it
2: yeah because it's kind of my story of i mean it's minimal but it's my story of you know meeting mark and kind of following him and stuff
0: you're you canadian
2: yeah, yeah that's what I
0: thought. but you've narrated a lot of the other ones right it's Uh, your...
2: no because my narration is not very good really nick my partner nick oh, okay yeah, or one of my partners nick does um he's really good but his more like a stentorian narration like it's not personal mm-hmm. it's like and the ones that I narrate, the only ones I narrate are when it's a personal story. Like, I did First Descent, the movie, way back when. Yeah. yeah. like, following Didier and stuff. But I would only narrate if it was a personal story. But otherwise, my vo- I, you wouldn't want to hear my voice. So I, <laughs> I mean, it's just not. I don't, Oh, yeah, Didier. I still don't talk like that.
1: You don't talk like a professional narrator? I can't. How'd you guys fucking get, um... Peter Skarsgård is Sarsgard, that
2: good yeah well we got Peter Skarsgård through um our, you know Scott Jurek the yes. ultra runner uh-huh. he's lives in Boulder he's a good friend of ours and his wife Jenny I've known forever and they knew Peter through he's really into running and he was working on a project with them and they were like oh you guys you could get him and you should definitely like he'd be awesome for it. And then we talked to him and his voice was awesome for it. I mean, he was was our second choice. Our first choice. We were like, okay, our, the Holy grail is, um, you know, the dude, Morgan Freeman. No, from, from, (laughs) uh, you know, the big Lebowski. Whoa. Uh, Oh, Jeff Bridges. Bridges. And then he, and then we had a connection to him and we didn't get it. And then, um, he was just like oh it looks cool but i'm not i can't do it and then we're like sweet peter you should do it and then we did it with and him. he was psyched yeah yeah he was psyched yeah he's great what was the conversation with
1: jeff bridges
2: well like? it was <laughs> or did you even get to wanna him? actually i mean it's a, this is like a random connection but my brother my older brother you know we grew up here in boulder mm-hmm. and oh, nice. a girl that he went to high school with that he still he lives in my brother lives in la and he's still friends with and she was jeff bridge's nanny for years and is like really close friends with him and his family and his wife and my brother was like basically was like hey can you ask jeff if you'll narrate my little brother's movie and she was like oh yeah dude that i think he totally and then he like wrote back and was like i I, know Just have time, or it wasn't interesting. He's a no. I think he, we, you know, it was one of those things. where I was like, God, maybe we could push it further, like push it harder. And then I was like, you know, and then I did. We did have a little concern (laughs) that his, like the, the movie is so energetic, and And that his voice is a little laconic, yeah, Yeah. laconic or whatever. Laconic, yeah, yeah. And so we were a little concerned that that, yeah, that be you know, it might bring the energy it might fight the energy a little bit. And like just the way we hit it, edited it and stuff. And it's, it's so
1: he's... recognizable too. to be like, people yeah. be like the fucking dude. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. narrating belly <laughs> uprising. That'd be weird. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. a weird guy.
2: Have you, uh, you know about his politics? He's... No. Is he, he like, don't tell me. He's like, no, he's got not. Got some crazy politics or
1: something. No, but he's like super, uh, kind of like libertarian, <sighs> highly, highly progressive. Though he's okay. I think he's a Bernie okay. guy. Okay, but um, to hear him talk about it, because he's super involved with that in the oh, environment. He is?
2: Oh, I didn't know that. I don't. He's know, a I don't really huge know environmental
1: activist. Uh huh. Cool. But he's wild, man. It's uh-huh. exactly how you'd imagine. <laughs> Politics to be filtered through Jeff Bridges. <laughs> we're, uh-huh. Or like through the dude. Just a yeah. little bit fucking wacky. Yeah. But entertaining and cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um <laughs> all right, let's start this out. My first question is When does the madness of real rock start for you? Like, yeah. th- meaning the run up to the show, distribution, and yeah, five hundred fucking city tour, yeah, and yeah, you can yeah. swear and do whatever you want, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. A- um, August, okay, is is like the true madness. So as far as the tour itself, like we have a team, like Jamie and yeah. Zach and Sarah, and like we have this whole team. They've all been working on it for like six years now, so there's something that's less manic about that because you know they book, we book all the our, the venues that we run we book in january and february and then we get the website up and they've got that that's a that's a linear process and it's tangible so they do a really good job with it so that's not as stressful um, for me personally but the films it's just creative process and i'm you know like to me like i can't have those breakthroughs and i think josh is this way a little bit until it's like i'm like really stressed and like think and then we until i do like a couple test screenings with friends and family and i'm just like lying in bed at night and thinking about it and then i'm like okay now i know how it needs to be so it goes like august is like pretty hellish and then labor day hits and then september is like a fucking nightmare like september just the like, editing yeah we just work like i can't we don't sleep because we, we really care you know like <laughs> yeah, we, yeah. and we make all the films and like i just like every year and it's never it's not better. this year is probably the worst it's been and i mean I, <laughs> it, it's like it doesn't yeah. get better in some ways it gets worse because we want to out you know we want to step it up every year yeah and um and then september and october are just like it's crazy but then as soon as it's like a week after the Boulder premiere, like we did the Boulder premiere this year. And then we tweaked all the films after that. And yes. then we actually waited to do our, our like official sound and color mixes, like in New York until after the Boulder premieres. Um, Cause then you see it with the whole crowd, you watch it four times in a row. And then you're like, okay, there's like, a thousand micro tweaks you want to make, you yeah. know, because, and a lot of it, like this year, there's so many laughs in the program. Yeah, dude, I mean, the Jim Reynolds and Brad Gobright. Jim Reynolds and
1: Brad Gobright. <laughs> the first half of the Speed Record film is the funniest It's the I've ever seen in real rock. Yeah,
2: yeah. I think, like, just even throughout the program, like, there's so many laughs. And then you have to kind of edit for those if you're doing theatrical, because a lot of lines people just miss at yeah. every screen like yes. we, we know we're like okay this will be kind of funny but then when the whole crowd laughs and it steps on someone else's line you know the next line and we need them oh, to hear that yeah. so we'll actually space it out a little bit if we know okay we just did four screenings like every time yeah. it was just like a big laugh right huh. here or like yeah like with a speed record film like you know people want to cheer when when those guys you know get to various spots on the different ascents and stuff and you just never know how in tune the audience is going to be like how much they're tracking like you know if Tommy says to Alex okay our time yeah. was this like we don't know if the audience is going to be like um was that the record or like of course in Boulder everyone's <laughs> like oh my god they're beat up by sp- blah 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 you know yeah. like they know they're just like everything tracks at such a high level in Boulder like yeah um and but then you know like I was at a couple other screenings in like less climbing centric towns and then some of that stuff doesn't track cause you I'm know sure people not. you're like okay you need them to actually say it to get it so so it's interesting just just tweaking that. So Boulder is so, yeah. like the guinea pig for you guys. Boulder is totally the guinea pig for us. I mean it's also like um it's not like we're we're not prepared for Boulder. I mean it's our biggest you know, we do four screenings. It's our biggest show. Um we got to nail. It's got to be awesome, you know, and everyone I'm going to talk to for the next year basically is seen Real Rock and Boulder mm-hmm. and, you know, all the athletes are there. So it's not the guinea pig like, no, oh, it. it's, it's not like a test screening, <laughs> but, but I mean, it's like the big deal. And then all, you know, that's when people start going on social and talking about the films mm-hmm. and, they, and like, I mean, we get so much like feedback now, like, you know, immediately after. Yeah. So um, it's not the guinea pig but it definitely informs because because we're gonna do you know well over 600 shows around the world this year (laughs) last year was 500 dude it's this year's like a really big jump it's because people just book them you know like we have a process they can oh
1: you mean like solo booking they're booking their own show if you guys
2: wanted to do a show you could just like email real rock and then book it and then sarah will reach out to you and stuff and then you know just like figure out how it's going to work yeah. how stuff. much does it cost for that well it's it's kind of a sliding scale i think um and then i think there's like kind of a flat fee but if it's like a big place with a big place it's like more and then if it, i i mean it's I, I don't know exactly i don't want to like say yeah. on here because I, yeah. yeah. I actually i actually didn't like i'm like i don't know exactly how they have direct the film set up <laughs> yeah i'm like i, I try <laughs> to like just stay more focused on the, like the creative yeah, on yeah, the yeah. films than like those details and stuff. And, um, but we try to make it so people can do it. Like if you want to do it in a gym or something, you know, like, so it's not prohibitive. Sure. But, um, yeah. So, um, how many of those 600,
1: I don't know how to ask this, like, do are we like run? you guys. Yeah. We,
2: we run 50. Only 50. Yeah. Wow. So we run 50 in the United States and it's mostly now just in the, like the big cities. You know, like Boulder, like in Colorado, we do Boulder, Denver, Fort Collins, and Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. And that's it. But I think there's probably, you know, 40 shows or 30 shows across Colorado, but we don't do any of the other yeah. ones. And then, um, and then people come in, like, in Denver. So we're doing our big shows in Denver on Thursday mm-hmm. and Friday. But then after a month, other people can do shows mm-hmm. in Denver. So there, there may end up being, like, you know, five or six more shows that in Denver. throughout. Yeah. The there always are. And
1: like something. Broomfield does one that like, it goes to
2: charity for firefighters or something. Yeah. Like yeah. That yeah. Super
1: cool. Totally.
2: And that's the other thing is we want people to be able to do fundraisers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So we're not like trying to, I mean, we want to keep it, you know, like not crazy expensive and stuff. Yeah.
0: yeah so. Where do you guys find time to make the movies? It seems like it's so much, <laughs> so yeah. much energy in the, the promotion and the,
2: yeah, and- I mean, so we, so like the core we have, like, I mean, I would consider myself like the creative team is like mm-hmm. me and Josh Lowell and Nick Rosen. And, um, and then we have a bunch of editors and producers and then often okay. third party filmmakers like Cedar Wright has made a few yeah. films with us the last few years. And, you know, so that, so we have the creative team and then we have like the logistical team and then we have a couple people who are in the middle who are like sort of bridging that gap between us. But we're like, like in the next two weeks, we're going to be out, we're going to have three teams out shooting for real rock, potential real rock films for next year. Cool. And then we had another film that Jen Randall, who's a, she's a British filmmaker living in um, Squamish. She's made some really cool films. Do you guys know? I don't film? think I know her. She's really. Name's familiar. Really cool. Yeah, she's like, her film's like won awards at Banff and stuff. Sweet. And so she did a film with Hazel Finley that was going to be on the tour this year, but then all the other films got so long, and that one they didn't shoot until May and it was like definitely going to be stressful like getting it all mm-hmm. together yeah. so we're pushing that one back so that one's going to be in the next real it's an awesome film it wasn't but it's going to be in the next real rock cool. tour so we're already okay. like in post it's and then we have sometimes a film you know it's an expedition and you shoot it and it's encapsulated there yeah and sometimes it's like a project and it's like you work on it for three years i mean we have yeah. films that we're just like yep let's just put some more, <laughs> let's go do another shoot on that. And, yeah, you know, I mean, the Dawn Wall was kind of that yes. way. oh, oh my like, God. And, but then those films, they get better mm-hmm. the more you suffer trying to make them. So, <laughs> you know, like, I mean, the Dawn Wall, imagine if yes. Tommy had just gone out and done it the first year. You'd be like, oh, that was pretty cool. Like, not I mean, epic. epic. Dave,
0: <laughs> Dave and I talk about this, that everyone's like, oh man, Tommy and Kevin, they like worked on that for so long. But you guys were up there just as long and then... Also editing it for yeah. an extra amount of time. Like, yeah. You
2: guys were also there. Yeah, like at one point I was like, you know, how Kevin after the Don Wall, he's like, "What's your Don Wall?" And I was like, <laughs> yes. and I was like, "My Don Wall is editing the fucking Don." Don- Wall. Holy <laughs> like, shit! I found That's... my Don Wall. <laughs> well, <that laughs> is, I was
1: joking that I was going to be like, I'm going to ask Peter what is his Don Wall oh. and Feedy was like. His fucking Donwall was probably the He <laughs> <Don Wall. laughs> Literally said that right before we Dude, got that, in here.
2: That, yeah, I mean, we spent three years. How I mean. many
1: days do you guys think you were on the wall?
2: Like, well, fucking ballpark. Yeah. Well, so I don't. do Let's say uh, Brett. Yeah. Brett, yeah. Brett Lowell, so it's, how many it's days was we'll Josh? It? Like, lead that whole team. Yeah. Um. And you know, so obviously nineteen days on the push, and then, Oof. um. But then that season we were out there with them before that too. I, th- I think because they were there and then they left. I mean, and it was in- fuck. We'd have to ask Brett. I don't know. I but it was so many. It was seven years that they were going back, and in the first few years they were doing, you know, the the fall and the spring. Yeah, and then, and it was always like. I think this might be the year. I think that, you know, yes, it was never, I, it, was... it was never like, we're just going to go like, not try it. You know, like there were real <laughs> attempt pushes. Yeah. Like Yeah. Go back to 20, 2010, I think was the first, Jeez. when they got the first time they got shut down on the yeah. traverse, I think was 2010 when Tommy was still yes. trying to do the thunder, the thunder cling stuff. Yes. So yeah. So it was a lot, but it, it was, you know, that was really Josh and Brett who, who led that charge on the, on the filming side of it.
1: I remember in 2010, sitting around a campfire, and Charlie Barrett was there. And he just... Because he was like buddies with Kevin when he was a little kid in the Bay Area. Oh, yeah. And uh, he showed us pictures. He's like, these guys are fucking doing something insane on the just on El Cap. He didn't say the Dawn Wall and showing us the protection like the early protection yeah, they were using they it were, was just like ratty well, they slings were clipping old bashies and stuff. Exactly. And yeah. It was like
2: horrifying. Yeah, it seems like a lot of that did they like just rip out over the years. <laughs> just that 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 fell out. Uh, yeah. I
1: don't know It must have. Th- yeah. Well, when you guys were up Okay, so it's like 7 years. But let's talk about the Dawn Wall. Let's talk about Valley Uprising. These yeah. gigantic projects. What is like? Do you guys suffer through uh, lapses in motivation or doubts that like this is just this is not going to come together? Or let's talk about the Don Wall specifically. Like,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, what, what are the one, ups, what I are mean, the roller coasters of emotion yeah, you guys go through? that one is kind of different because. We, um, you know, once they did it, like going out and filming it with them, it's work and it's hard, but it's also like what you want to be doing, Yeah, you know? So I don't, I, there wasn't like, uh, I mean, we definitely were like, should we go out this season? Like, is this realistic? But we were never like, you know, we the investment and life commitment for Tommy and Kevin was way bigger than us. Like we could shoot that and go, you know, do other Mm -hmm. stuff. And you know, it wasn't like all year round that they were up there climbing it. And then once they did it, it was such a spectacle and such a big deal that we're like, okay, we obviously have a big movie that everyone's going to be interested in. So there was never, (laughs) there was never doubt. I think we always doubt it's always in the post-production process. I think where there's like, really heavy doubt and I know with the Donwall we were like yeah like the because- we were like, Yeah, I think it'll just be a we didn't know if the movie was gonna cross over mm-hmm. to the mainstream. We're like, Yeah, I think it'll just be a good a really good climbing movie and then <laughs> you know, and then we'd get really psyched and then we'd like screen it for someone and they wouldn't quite get what we were doing yeah. or we wouldn't have the structure right and we'd get like super deflated and be like, Yeah, well, you know, it'll still work on I, real I, rock. I, yeah, totally. <laughs> like maybe we should just put this on real rock, you guys, and then Holy like crap. and then, you know, and then um I mean that's been the same thing with all the the big feature films yeah and you know we're doing we're working on this film right now the Marc-Andre Leclerc film and it's been the same way I mean it's been the same I mean it's been you know years of post-production and then we actually were in post-production you know yeah it's it's just been a lot of post it's the same way and I think right now everyone's like okay this could be like this could be right up there with like Valley Uprising and the Dawn Wall, like this'll kind of be our third, I think, big film in wow. that in that genre. Um so we're on a high, but it does go it does go up and down. Yeah. I'm sure, man. Yeah, and it's so much work. The features are tough. Like I don't know like the the short films in the end i mean they're tough to make and stuff but they're fun and yeah. you can kind of like pick a style and pick a a vibe like with the joe's valley film this year we're like cool, oh, like let's go like punk rock with that you know mm-hmm. like and yes. we once we found our voice and it took a couple months of like editing and trying yeah. scenes and like finding the voice but once we found our voice with that i was like this is really fun you know yeah. and having all that archive footage and stuff and you don't put the pressure it doesn't like, I'm not sure if we could have held, like, if we were to, say, develop Joe's Valley into a feature film now, not that we're thinking about that, but just as an example, like, I don't know if we could hold that style and that pace. Yes. You know how, like, yeah. it's yes. such a breakneck pace and mm-hmm. we're kind of just like here and then we kind of surprise yeah. you and go here and then it's like, we could, you couldn't, you'd have to kind of come up with a whole new filmmaking style mm-hmm. to make a feature out of that. It'd have to be much, like, more um documentary style you're exactly embedded I, and more with,
1: classic documentary yeah that's what and i was thinking
2: so like each short can you kind of choose a style and then you have fun with that and, yes you know and and but the features like to really <laughs> ask somebody for an hour and a half of their time yeah. and like you you you're just not going to make many of those in your life so you want them to be legendary or epic you know oh, yeah. you want and. And then that's, you know, cause you're just like, I mean, on like at this point, I'm just like been working really hard, like back to back with the Don Wall and the Marc-Andre Leclerc film. But if i have never made another feature climbing <laughs> film, I could probably die after yeah. right now. I love making the shorts. You know, I, yeah. I, I have, we have 300 ideas for different shorts and I get excited thinking about them and mm-hmm. how to shoot him and how to just like what the angle is and stuff, but yeah, the features I, are fucking epic. I'm
0: sure at some point too, the, the Dawn wall probably just felt like such a mountain of footage. Like, how do I, how do I even find a way to tell the story in this like pile, you know, and just digging through it and yeah, finding that narrative in there must be really difficult.
2: Yeah. So the crazy, there's a couple crazy things about the Dawn wall that we really is why it took us so long. One yeah. is, um, Tommy has this incredible backstory, yes. obviously with Curious yes. Fan and then the other is, but you don't want to just make a film that just like starts in the starts he was born and then, <laughs> he, and then he climbed. In the end, we we did kind of make that, but we, you know, we knew we had this 19 day real time experience, mm-hmm. and that that you had to have the experiential feeling of that in the film and we always knew that from the beginning yeah. like that was the anchor but we we started out and we like we were just like oh my god this how is this gonna work and we didn't even know if the backstory stuff was gonna play or da, 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 da. so we did a cut that took like a year and it was probably three or three and a half hours long yeah and it was tommy's born dot 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 kyrgyzstan just like super linear yeah. every potential story point you know, he goes up Franz and Well, he meets Kevin, and then you learn about Kevin. And then they they try it, they fail. And then, you know, two hours in or two and a half hours in, they start the 19 day push. And then oh. the last I was watching. It. And and we showed that to some documentary filmmakers in New York, that, <laughs> you know, just like yeah. non climbers. And we're like, this, you gotta, you know, you gotta just watch this. Like, just tell us, like, what of this mm-hmm. is our movie? and what isn't from your perspective and it was like i think four or five different people and every one of them was like it's all got to go in but as you guys you know as we were telling them they're like but you gotta (laughs) you gotta jumble it up so finding that structure and it's pretty interesting i mean it's pretty simple i think when you watch it now but finding the structure Mm -hmm. it's almost like anything like when you find it it's so easy right it's like doing a yes but when you nail the moves you're just like oh i just everything was efficient figure that like because you know we go we did the pre-title tease where you see those guys on the wall in the new york times and you're like okay you're like okay there's guys living on a wall and like the world is fascinated that's enough of the tease and then it's like you know, the goofy shot of Tommy with glasses (laughs) and his mom being like, he was retarded, you know, (laughs) you you know, and you're like, you're like, cool. That guy was that guy. I mean, and then every beat in the, in the, his backstory is just, you're just like, it's crazy. You can't script that shit. If you scripted it, you'd be like "It's a little too on the nose. You know, it's crazy. It's dad and then Beth and then Kyrgyzstan. And so we do all that. And then we're like, I think almost to the point where you think, okay, we're going to be, just watching a movie in a backstory. And then, you know, after Kyrgyzstan fades to black and then it's like 15 years later and then it starts on yes. day one on the wall. And then, but, and then, you know, and then we only end up going back like two and a half more times, basically in the movie. Cause we do, you know, the second t- chunk of Tommy with cutting off the finger and recovering yeah. and doing all the other <laughs> stuff in Yosemite. And then we come back and then we go back and we do Kevin's backstory. Then we come back and then we do, one more little backstory with Becca and Fit, you know that back Be- yeah. Becca at the very towards the very end, so it's not a crazy structure, but to get to that structure was f- insane. I mean, I mean we, I think we people- literally have a hundred and 50 different iterations. Exactly.
1: That's why, I mean, when people look at that and they say, God, that must have been pretty easy to make. uh, Look at the fucking story road itself. Right. I think that's actually uh, a compliment to you guys because that means you fucking nailed it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Like you found
1: that structure
2: that works. Yeah. Like just the the big story points like. And that's why
1: it took how many years in post-production? Three years. Like three
2: solid years of like, you know, all of us working on it and like going bringing in editors and they'd work for like a year and then they'd go off to another project and we'd be like oh, it's just us again. And you guys had consultants was, as well like- Yeah, we have consultants. And we had on that one we had a couple guys um this guy David Zeef is a he's like a pretty known documentary filmmaker and he's like knows nothing about climbing but he's like fascinated by it. And so he He really helped, you know, because one of the last things we always knew, this is what was hard, what was like discouraging about the Don Wall was we always knew that um, the story was in the sport. It was in the climbing. Like, you got to understand how it works that Kevin's falling on pitch 15. You got to understand that shit. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like like in free solo, you don't have to understand. Anything about climbing, no. and they don't go into it because they don't need to. Because mm-hmm. you're like, man, <laughs> he goes up the fucking. Road. <laughs> yeah, if he really, falls, he dies. really simple. Yeah. And in this one, we we knew the biggest moments of the film. Eventually, an hour and twenty minutes into it, are we knew it was when Kevin gets across fifteen, and when they do, you know, when they do these things. But that's also like completely meaningless to 98% mm-hmm. of humanity. Right. You so know, true. like you're like, what is what, why does he go back? Wait, he fell and he's allowed to keep going and, <laughs> you know? And so we always knew we were going to do that layer that we did with John long of just like, okay, here's the rules. It's a, it's a, it's a it's sport. A game, yeah. Here's the rules of the game and you got it. And, and that's what defines climbing is the rules of the game. And, and, and if you don't understand them, you're absolutely at sea. Yeah and you yeah and you have to have yeah and you have to have rules for it to be a sport, yeah, that's <laughs> you know? how sport works. <laughs> like on some level like for yeah for that kind of climbing and um so like someone like david Zeef was really good with like you know just watching sitting with him and watching it and he'd just be like wait what, what? you know like yeah and you're like okay cool i get where he's you, you- you get where people are lost Man. and then we would write those down and mm-hmm. then we would address those.
0: Yeah. With a project that big too, I mean it makes total sense because to have an outsider perspective because you're probably just in there getting like tunnel vision and having somebody who can, doesn't have the the knowledge of climbing to help you, yeah, <laughs> help you educate a outside viewer. That's
1: like a double whammy too. A, a filmmaker, a documentary filmmaker who doesn't understand climbing Holy shit, that's hitting the jackpot for you guys. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Like, he can tell you why he doesn't understand. But we were talking a little bit. Well, let's talk about the media a little bit in that particular time. So that was fucking bonkers. Like, front page of the New York Times. Yeah. Amazing. First of all, did you guys expect or foresee that? And second of all, how did you manage that? Because people are, like, harassing these guys on the wall yeah, and probably the filmmakers and cameramen yeah. and riggers and guys going up and down wanting interviews, like shuttling food or water up or whatever. Yeah, did you guys have a role in like trying yeah, to we definitely that
2: circus. Yeah, we definitely did. I mean, so the time John Branch, the Times journalist, heard yeah. a, his editor got tipped off by. Um, by, actually, this guy, Alex Lowther, who used to work for us. He works for Patagonia now oh. um, doing media. And he was like, he knew him from New York. And he was like, oh you, this is like a big story in the climbing world. And, and his editor got it and he sent John out. And then John did the first story. And it was, you know, one of the most emailed and most read. And everyone yeah. had comments. And there was all this controversy and stuff about it. And so then his editor was like stay there. Keep that you know, shit there's, going. There's, it's like a news story because it's like real time, you know, it's like it's happening and people love that when they can, you know, check back in on it and see where they're or going. And then, you know, he did so many pieces on like the backstory and he's a awesome, I mean, he's great, right? He's a Pulitzer Prize winning. I mean, he's also writer, one so. of the few dudes in media who like, explained it in the proper way he he did yeah he didn't he did a great job <laughs> yeah, with he it did well. and um and he's cool i mean he's such a fan i was just at the real rock san francisco show and he he and his wife come to all the real rock shows and oh, they, nice. they, they love it i mean he's always um he actually was like after he saw the joe's valley film he was like dude i can't believe you I didn't. I didn't know about that story. Like, I would have loved to have done that story. Oh, because <laughs> that
1: was that came from like an Outside Magazine. story? It came story? from an Outside Magazine story. I read that story.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really well done. I thought it was really well done. I didn't know that was before your film. That it, was so the writer uh, of that story, Freddie. Um, he um, he, like we. I kind of vaguely knew him through a family connection, and he sent us an email. And was like, "Hey, Pete, I've met you, blah blah blah," and um, and I wrote this article, and I thought it'd make a cool movie.
1: No way! That's how it happened. Yeah,
2: and we, I mean, we get those. I mean, we get, we get. I mean, and that's great. Like, pitch us, people. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know, we get hundreds of those in story, and every you know, we talked all the climbers and the athletes and the magazine writer, and we're always looking for stories, and but usually you know it's one out of it's a needle in a haystack generally that like work makes sense for us and i like clicked on the article and it's like a great headline and i like read the first paragraph and i was like oh this is great and i like read it and i sent it to josh and nick and zach and jamie and just the people here i was like do i was like do you guys think this would make a good real rock film and the next morning i was there was just like five like hells yeah yes amazing <laughs> do it let's Sweet. go it oh, was like no the biggest no-brainer and so i mean his the the thing was we also knew that there was this trove of of footage that mike call had shot and yes. you know brian solano and stuff over the years yeah we knew that reading the article because his article focuses much more on the the policy mm-hmm. side of it he what he's not much of a climber and he doesn't like he didn't like go into the climbing yeah backstory yeah and so we wanted to focus much more on the cultural, like the human connection side, you know, and we knew all like Jason Keel and Boone speed and, yeah. and obviously Stephen Jeffries. And so we knew all the characters that were like going to bring it to life from the climbing side. And then it was such a blast to be able to go and meet and the local people were just, I mean, they're awesome. You know, I've and, spent and like
1: a year of my life at Joe's. Maybe, oh, you have? Maybe a I little bit more. Okay, oh cool. God. Yeah. Okay. Four cool. months at a time, like three different, no, Two different times, But anyway, I, I didn't know that came from that article. I thought in that, um, so I got to tell you, I was talking to Jamie. She's like you, Jamie Bogarty. She's making sure I have all the films. And I was like, uh, I, I don't think I have the, uh, the Alpineer, the, the Alpinist film. I, I I haven't seen it. She's like, no, it. you have to, it, it's be, it's after the Joe's Valley one. I was like, Oh, I was pretty teary eyed after that. Oh. So I went back and back and looked and it sure enough, it's there. But I consider that like y'all's first pseudo-political film. And I don't mean political like yeah. Trump versus Warren or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. But you guys touch on like cultural divides. You touch on land yeah. management. You touch yeah. on policy. You touch on industrial collapse. Yeah. It's fucking great. Man, yeah. I, it's one of my favorite videos, like vignettes I've ever seen you guys cool. do. Was that That's like... A- um, how was that tackling those issues? Like
2: I mean I did loved you have it. to use I a delicate hand? Yeah. We had to find the right balance and like, you know, we wanted the we wanted to we really I mean one of the best things about it is we knew we had this incredible story of coming together in the end. Yeah. And because we had that feel-good ending, we felt it gave us a lot more freedom. To just let it rip like the contra yes. the conflict in the past, you know? So we we really I mean, you know, in the film we have you know the climbers first impression of the locals and you're kind of like it almost makes you cringe you know but they say yeah. it with you know those guys are so self-aware they say it with you know like hey we were kids back then but like who the fuck you know who are these hillbillies like what are these people like you know and then we flip it and we get the locals yeah, first impression so of the which climbers, is way better which you're like that's funny you know yeah. and they're they're way more Relatable in some ways because yes, like exactly. climbing is so. like weird. A Jason just yes. killed my baby. <laughs> totally. Oh shit, I think that sometimes too. So, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, so I think like having that, and then um you know, and then just like you know, I think the style of that film is like you know somebody says something, and it kind of leads to a almost like a sidebar scene, like like. Okay, let's learn about yeah, more yeah, about yeah. the locals now, and let's like let's understand now, like oh shit, like the fucking economy there is in tank tatters, yeah, yeah, and like you know coal mining is like yeah, so so it was super delicate, but we also knew that you know that's what you want, I think, as a viewer, is to feel really uncomfortable and to go through, and you don't want to go off right right away and be like oh this is gonna be a feel good film, yeah, you want to <laughs> you want to go in there and be like. Like fuck, is this gonna? Am I gonna like this? Like, you know, and we really want you to go through all those emotions, and then as like you know, the the steps start happening, and then you know the Mormons are opening coffee shops. You're like, yes, yeah. Mormons are selling coffee. I love it. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah,
1: holy so, shit. Um, yeah. super well done. Cool. Like besides Thanks. this podcast, like I want to say that was. Cool. just wonderful thanks like pseudo political i loved it man just touch it because this country is so torn up right now and yeah in, viewing that film through a certain lens you guys are like <laughs> using climbing as a tool to talk about one way the yeah. communities to come can come together and that's through fucking recreation
2: yeah 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 i mean th- yeah, there was a writer, a big writer, sent us an email. He saw the show in New York, and he's like, "Dude, it's." It, I just remember the quote because he he's like, it, "It was like, it was like a, um, a pathway out of this like political nightmare that we're in." Yes. Of, like you know, like because it is like you know, people in that that county probably votes eighty percent Trump, and the climbers are did. probably a hundred percent or ninety percent. You know, like whomever anti Trump, <laughs> and um, but then if you just forget about that, yes, there's so much fine common ground. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's so, and it's fun. Like for me, and you know, I'm grew up in Boulder, and you know, you can imagine, you know, just my like, you know, just my sort of political background and leanings and stuff. But it's they're. I love talking. They're so fun to talk to and stuff, yeah. but even being there, I mean, I, you probably had this spending time there, like, you know, cause it is a very open place. Cause the climbers are such, such a part of it now. Yeah. once like in a, a while, college campus. Like it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But every climber. once in a while and they, you know, you do hear something that just like, or someone will say something that just like <laughs> triggers you a little bit. And you're like, Oh, we could all go down that path of just like, ah, I like this. And you like, you know, yeah. Yeah. and then you're just like, like it's not about that like there's it's it's crazy because i i mean i do think our common ground is so much more than our our it's just like the the extreme we just all get it's not like oh like those guys are a bunch of racists and we're like pro this or like they don't care about the environment we care about the environment i mean probably our carbon footprints like (laughs) you know as you know yes and yeah like they're mining coal but at least like coal gets i mean yeah destroys the air but at least it's like used for something you know and And it's building that community and allowing it to survive but i'm just saying like coal is it coal like at least as an energy source like if you're just like i'm going on a trip
1: oh exactly you're just doing
2: that you're also created you know contributing to the to the carbon yeah. problem, but you're just doing it for yourself to feel good and
1: Instagram dude, and Damn. you're doing it for Instagram. Oh, as yeah. well. <laughs> your Instagram That's true. That's true. That's uh, true. Uh, what I wanted to say, like one of the things that I walked away from that from is like, it's our fucking political debates are so illogical. They're a lot so of the time, illogical. like we think, uh, the left thinks they're, uh, just rolling in logic and the right thinks the same yeah. the libertarians think one way the cool thing about that film is you see when people find one piece of common ground and let all politics go aside yeah fucking logic blossoms yeah. like a springfield of flowers yeah like when they're talking about we can all agree that our manufacturing and industry is being driven into the ground yeah. what can we do to survive as a community yeah and these guys from the left and these guys from the right come together and let's use recreation yeah. to keep our community afloat i just fucking yeah. love it yeah uh, yeah that's it, cool it's that's hard cool. to iterate
2: no i love it too i was like i got really i got really passionate about it like pretty early on and then yeah. it's like we got to make this work <laughs> but- <laughs> I love all the reenactments
0: that are in that film too. Yeah. They're like the kombucha <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Oh yeah. Those are nice that's, that's Brett Lowell. Yes. Yeah. I the know. Comic. Yeah. Crying. He's looking pretty
1: ripped in that Dude, too. Dude, he is Jesus. ripped these days.
0: That's
2: kind of new. We like shot to be that, be that like, ripped? Um, we shot that in the spring. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he's like know. mountain biking now and climbing. He's always fit. Yeah. 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 And he needs to be fit because he's, up on the walls all the time yeah for sure but yeah he's he's fit
0: so when did the real rock kind of start like when did you go from sender films making front range freaks return to sender and then combine with big up to start making the real rocks i guess for me so
2: yeah no no go ahead yeah Yeah, so it was 14 years ago obviously Mm -hmm. because this real rock 14 um and it's funny because i have this story and then i was like telling josh Lowell this story and he was like he's like oh it's totally that story except for i had the idea and i suggested it to you and i was like i thought it was me who had the idea (laughs) but it was such a no-brainer that it kind of doesn't matter like so josh and i you know and nick we all went to colorado college together we all climbed together and stuff and josh and i were both geology majors and um so the normal path of the the normal career (laughs) i like rocks yeah i like rocks i (laughs) climb them i study them and now we make movies about them (laughs) and um yeah and then um josh so we and then he's from back east and then i was living in new york like i got into filmmaking right after and i moved to new york after college and then josh was uh he actually like I don't know. He had something going on, but he made—he was a really good boulderer, and so he made oh, this yeah. bouldering yes. video called—I think it's called Big Up. The video, uh, oh, or no, whoa. what is it? It's about that bouldering was, in the gunks. Big oh Up. Is gosh. it called Big Up? Was
1: it Big? I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah,
2: It's cool with Ivan Green and Obi. And, and Obi, and like yeah. this the whole like, like, and Josh is in and bouldering. It's like it was just kind of like bouldering in the gunks, which is obviously this traditional totally trad area and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it was pretty. It was a small film, but it was a pretty groundbreaking film. I think yeah. it was, you know. And then, you know, after that, he started Free working with Sharma you. and did Freeway go you know, and Rampage and stuff. And so that actually was what got me because I was just like doing film stuff, but I was working on sets and I was like kind of and I was like, oh, I want to make a movie and stuff. And then Josh kind of connected me with like, I think with like a couple of magazines, like just a couple kind of showed me how to do it and then i came back to boulder and made scary faces and yes. that was the first film i ever made i mean i had never like shot anything before that and um you know because i was like okay cool i like josh's thing but like that's not my scene at all mm. like east coast bouldering yeah. and like badass climbing like i you know i'm like a fire you know i like tread climbing and yeah you know, like and just like i'm not like a I've never been like a badass climber I'm more just like a, I love it, and I always love the Jules Verne's yeah. is pretty true, badass and stuff that's true and um so we did I did that and josh and and it was cool, and then you know, I think we had like two or three films and we were helping each other and I even edited on one of his he started doing the dosage series yes. I helped him edit breaking well. couple of those yeah, and those were amazing and then um and then but then we all you know we saw the audience for the for the screenings, but neither of us had energy to do it. And we didn't like quite have enough like sponsorship money yeah. to like hire people and do it and stuff. And then, you know, so it was in 2004, I guess um, we were like, dude, let's just do it. Let's, let's, let's pool our resources and do it together. We had started working on King lines together yes. at that time. So that was going to be our first collaboration. Our first film together was King lines. Is and- that still the best selling? DVD. DVD. It might be. I mean, DVD? I don't know. I don't know the numbers. I think for us... It was for years. Though, for, right? year, for a long time because it kind of was That's when... Movie. I mean, I think we... I can't remember now. Did it like start on VHS and then it went on DVD and then it went on digital or maybe it just did like DVD and then it was DVD to digital. to digital. Yeah. yeah, And um, yeah, so that was Real Rock 2.
0: For, okay. That's where the numbers are. Okay.
2: Yeah, yeah. So Real Rock 1... um was oh it my pro- gosh, I'm so I I'm, I can't believe this. I knew this until like 5 was minutes ago. Was Progression
0: a real rock too then?
2: All right, now I'm confused about the first four <laughs> real rocks. Dude, um, we're
1: interviewing you because
2: we thought you were the expert. Right? <laughs> I know. <laughs> Cuz there was First Ascent the movie. Yeah. Progression, real- the first like 3 had sort of a feature mm-hmm. plus a short. Yeah. And except for King Lines was like, you know, it was like that was our that was basically the program. I think we had a short from Britain, from England, like a 10 minute short before it, but it's basically King lines was the program. And yeah, I mean, as soon as we had the idea, we're like, dude, let's just pull resources and, you know, combine sponsors and make films and do one tour and we'll get enough money to hire someone. It was my girlfriend at the time. Who's now my wife. Um, she was the tour director for a couple of years or for three or four years. And, um, and just like you know, as soon as we did it, it was just like, "Cool, this totally makes sense." How yeah. many shows those first? Yeah, years? not a ton. I mean, I, I can't remember. I, I've, I've maybe fifty or less than a hundred, fewer than a hundred. You know, that's quite like, a bit though out of the gates. Yeah, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, maybe it was fifty. Maybe it was forty or fifty. I mean, I, I, I can't. I can't remember but we would like drive around to the shows and, you know, we'd have our basket <laughs> full of DVDs. And I remember being with Timmy O'Neill doing like all the yes. California shows and, um, when we had, and he was like signing DVDs and stuff. And, um, cause we had, God, what, would the, I, I did, I can't remember what, what the, God damn. Okay. Anyway. Um, and, uh, Yeah. So then, you know, and then just as it, as time grew, you know, I think by like Real Rock 8 or 9 or something, we just like combined our businesses into one business. Mm -hmm. And so we just have, you know, a business that we own. It's just, we just have a business that we own together and we have forever. And, you know, hopefully will for a long time. I mean, I love Josh. Josh is like, you know, just creatively, he's like the best you know, he's for me. He's like the best person because we just. I like the way he works. He's really good at all the shit that I'm really bad at. Which is gonna, like, we were gonna
1: th- ask that question. Like, what do your differences? How do they enhance that storytelling process? Like, yeah, how do you complement
2: each other? Yeah, so I think like the biggest difference is like he's he's an incredible. Um, he's a really good writer he wrote like great articles for climbing magazines, like before way back, just like kind of grassroots. That's what he wanted to do, right? He wanted, I don't know if that's what he wanted to do, but he was, he, he did some of that and he's, he's a really good writer. He's really good at the craft of filmmaking, Mm -hmm. like every aspect of the. He's like more like, like, you know, he comes from a, Film family. His dad like was big in the in oh, the lighting and equipment back and stuff and back in Hollywood back in the day and stuff. Wow. And, um, yeah. No. He comes from like a film like film film family. He's just he's really good like with everything technical, but also just like the shooting, the lighting, the kind of the directing, the cinemat the cinematography, yeah. the um the and then the editing and the pacing and the and the sound yes. design. He's just good mm-hmm. at everything in (laughs) filmmaking and um i think and i'm i think i'm fine at that but i'm not as good at any of that and i don't love it as much i mean i do love Mm -hmm. the the editing but i think i'm really good at the kind of the the you know the 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 ideas and the structure and the and the um i'm really good at structure that's like and i'm and kind of like the bigger a lot of like the the bigger things and just like the angle and just like kind of having creative being like, okay, we got to do it this way. Or I, I don't know. And so I think those work really well together, but then the other thing is that we, um, we both do have this like pretty strong, I think, science background of like the process of how we do stuff. And it just like makes so much sense the way he approaches, like just a scene. And then I can just like, he can show it to me at like the right time. And then I can be like, cool. I think, this is what we should yeah. do. And he can be like, oh, cool. That totally makes sense. I get what you're saying. Sweet. And because we're both editors and we're both shooters, like we can give notes on um, that, that like talking to someone editor to editor, Yeah, you know, in a like, pragmatic I, like, yeah, way like I'm not going to give him editing notes and be like, I don't know. I think you should just like maybe move that stuff before. Cause I know that's like tectonic <laughs> and you can't just do that. You know? And I'm yes. um, like, I can talk and be like, dude, here's what I think is reasonable to do. And, and same yes. thing. I mean, we're always in the situation of doing that. And then, you know, Nick Rosen is yeah. also like, he's here with me in Boulder and he's also like, he's more in the writing and he yes. gets like, you know, like once, I think a lot of times the way we work really well is when I get like really geeked out on something or, or Josh does. And then Nick gets in there and like really helps with like the writing and the scripting, just making it flow and like, mm-hmm. you know, make, he's got a really good sense of just like what, what works. and Tuning the arc. Yeah, L- t- like yeah the story totally. Yeah, totally. And also, just like the, the actual words that people say, like I really struggle with that. Like I can, I can lay out a script or like a scene, and it's all like you get all the story beats. Like I'm really good at hitting the story beats, <laughs> but actually, then like someone needs to go in and massage all that. So yeah. like, what this person says flows logically out of what that person yeah. says. Yeah, add I'll just, some
1: charisma to that
2: part. <laughs> yeah, like I'll just like I'm I like I really like hitting beats <laughs> um yeah. well let's
1: talk about like so in what you guys do obviously you guys would be considered collaborators but that you're collaborating with climbers with filmmakers the cameramen are collaborating the riggers yeah. are collab- it's this filmmaking in climbing is all a big story about collaboration yeah do you feel like out of the gates that you were looking for somebody it sounds like you've kind of answered this like looking for somebody to collaborate with or is that something that the process taught you because many people need to learn how to delegate yeah yeah yeah, some people don't even know what delegation is because they want it to be theirs i think i am
2: more of a like i i wanna get that like a lot of input yeah and like yeah i think i'm probably more angled towards collaboration i think i am you didn't have to learn that you're like i I want to collaborate i don't think so i'm not sure but i think it's i think because it's come pretty naturally and our setup is so collaborative you know and we are like like when i see someone doing something exciting in the film world i'm like i'm so i'm like ah how can we work with you you know like i mean i was just like um talking to jimmy chin today i was like dude i got like six ideas i want to pick you know like i want like because he's like you know those guys are fucking amazing what they're i mean obviously i mean they like hit the you know shot the moon but like seeing like cedar and stuff you know and like you know like it's so like i love like you know in the last one of the films we did with cedar it just worked out that like he needed he needed that extra voice and so i like you know, before real rock a couple years ago, I just spent a few weeks like in his basement with him, just like diving in the edit and just yeah. yeah, and I love that. It's so fun. You know, it's so fun. And you need that. Like you just need that in filmmaking. I mean, first of all, it's so massive. You need it and you can't be good at everything. And if you do everything you can't see also the, like the small picture and the big picture simultaneously. Like we always have on every project, like everything, even like an e-blast that goes out. We always have someone who's like, in the weeds, creatively leading it. And then someone else or multiple people who are like constantly like just looking at it from 30,000 feet and being like, awesome. That scene you're editing is like fucking beautiful. But Mm-hmm. it doesn't belong in the movie you know yeah, or yeah. like That's... it's not it's not hitting those beats it's not you know like you gotta and that person's like, just
1: stuck in crafting that yeah because you tiny get tiny so, bit of minutia. Like, but this
2: song's so amazing uh. I mean, yeah. you're like dude it's awesome yeah. but yes. it's not what we. Should. it's not that don't go there it don't do that right. an hour and, and, and a it's half. crazy <laughs> because like it's so fun being the person on the outside because yes. you're just like the other person's like sweating and just like you know laboring over something and then you're like you know you're just like oh like you know smoking a joint like yeah i think like maybe we don't need that you know ah! but then you flip it and you never yeah. know when you're the person in the weeds you've got to have that those outside checks you yes. know yes you yeah. never know like is this what i should be working on you know like should this scene be 10 seconds yeah. or two minutes and so you gotta i mean you guys must have that i mean you guys obviously have a partnership we and delegate
0: <laughs> yeah
2: Um. (laughs) what was i gonna say oh yeah let's talk
1: about popularity a little bit because what has happened in the last 15 years is fucking bonkers so we we now you know we have things like big up and free waco and you know solano out there and paul dusatko right making these cool little films that i was raised on yeah that you were watching that Feedy has watched um and now we have 500 film tours. We have yeah. Yeah. Oscars on fucking Jimmy Chin's shelf. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We have Donwall on Wall on make Don't make me envious. Of me. <laughs> Valley <laughs> Uprising. Um, what do you think? What like fucking technological advances, changes in the popular zeitgeist, what allowed this all to happen? Because it's still on the upward trend, obviously, with climbing, going to the Olympics.
2: Maybe if I had to sum it up in a word, I would maybe just say gyms. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I think that's probably at the heart of it. But there's also a cultural thing. Like, you see all those. I mean, you know, we've worked with the North Face for, you know, like 15 years now and, like, you know, over the years, we've worked with Patagonia and Cliff Bar and stuff. North Face was like—I don't know if people remember—they were like going bankrupt. Like They were fucking multiple struggling times. in the early and 2000s. Those those companies, I think, like the—you know—at their peak, they were doing like maybe a hundred million dollars or something. Those are all multi, or at least billion-dollar companies now. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, and they're all selling this lifestyle. Yes. And this, you know, Cliff Bar, Patrick, I mean, and name 50 other brands we yes. could all name, you know? Right. So, so there's definitely like, you know, whatever happened to, to, um, you know, surfing in the, you know, in the eighties or nine, or I don't know, you know, like we, we saw like billboarding in late seventies, early eighties, snowboarding, you know, you've seen these other sports go through that where it's just like, people just want that identity. It's like a, it's a, it's like a thing. And that wasn't the case i don't think like 20 years ago with just like climbing as being like no way. like a, an identity at all yeah totally climbing
1: was it was barely an identity for the climbers for climbers yeah, yeah. Like, i mean, i just like liked to climb
2: yeah it's weird wore jeans and, yes, and t-shirts <laughs> and, and you stuff. didn't
1: wear north face yeah back totally. then and like, when i first started climbing yeah. north face was like on the fucking brink.
2: I know it's crazy I, when it's crazy. Halliburton or whatever sold. Yeah, right. And then or ha- Halliburton. Or... Hall- no, what was it? Hall- Halliburton's the Dick Cheney oil. Company. Oh yeah. <laughs> what was the company that owned? It? Helly Helly Hansen or was it? Or I fucking don't remember. Or, I know what you mean. It's some something it something like yeah. <laughs> when Dick Cheney
1: owned it. <laughs> wow, Dick
2: Cheney. <laughs> yeah,
1: you sold it right before they uh, got... got voted into the White big, House. Big climber, actually.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Huge Dude. climber. Oh yeah. the um, uh, Dick Cheney's.
1: So that's the point. Dick Cheney made climbing popular. (laughs) Um,
0: I mean, I mean, I forgot where I was going. Speaking of popularity, though, I mean, for you, it must be such a surreal feeling to take a step back and be like, holy crap, like 500 locales packed with people are watching these films, you know? I mean, it's awesome. That's gotta be. I love it. I love it. I mean, I I gotta give you, uh, I gotta say, man, like, when I first started climbing, Real Rock 2010 was like the first big climbing thing i like i just went to it because i saw it and like it just opened my eyes to like bouldering because and then alpinism and then yeah oh so that's awesome hats off man i've been a big fan for a long time that's so cool thank
2: (laughs) you i mean a couple things i just add about that like one you know i think i think what the role that we've gotten to play in it in like the growth of everything is certainly like you know obviously like just showing people like what's possible and stuff but I think like making like really telling the stories of these climbers so that they become individuals you know the Dean Potters Uli Steck Alex Honnold Tommy Caldwell Steph Davis like you know um, like I think being able I think that's like that's been a cool contribution of real rock is like you know like Margot Hayes and this year I think with like Nina oh, fuck, and like, that was a great his, season and...
1: with Margot. yeah one of the best ever yeah, oh my yeah God. that one sorry was, that was... no that
2: one was I think I, I maybe agree, my one. favorite yeah and so I think it's cool because I I do think and I mean I don't really follow a lot of the other outdoor sports but you, I don't know like a lot of personalities like I feel like more people from outside of climbing know like tommy and alex and like dean and these people yes but like i don't know the equivalent in like skiing or snowboarding of those people because i just haven't like gotten their story and like gotten to like yes. see that and like be like oh they're this individual yeah. who like has this incredible mm-hmm. journey that i can relate to in some way or something um but
1: they're so compelling because of what they're doing too
2: right i like, know so climbing is, it's so yeah. much
1: Kelly Slater is hugely popular because one, because fucking handsome and yeah, won he's ten, awesome. I mean, he's kind of the ten exception. world championships, yeah. right? But yeah, you yeah. don't snowboarders or skiers are rarely putting their lives on the line in
2: such a stark. <laughs> but I don't. In, know. in I such mean, a stark. You don't stark, think they are like in visually?
1: The, no. But yeah, but like, like with the avalanche you, danger and all that stuff. No, like, I don't think people even think about avalanche danger okay. if they're not backcountry skiers like they hear about avalanches and like oh what a tragedy yeah yeah but they don't think about like other oh, people out there like making their living skiing those lines right. with their fucking snow cards and their probing poles yeah. they don't know that I don't yeah, think. yeah yeah but they can see watch alone on the wall and see honold fucking ubiquitously Honalding. yeah yeah and that is all you need. Yeah. And welcome to every living room in America, you know, yeah. via 60 Minutes. Yeah. Because of what you guys can do with that stark imagery. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... That's cool. I don't think other sports can speak to you that way. And also, yeah. we're not... You know, climbers aren't wearing fucking face masks. Yeah, helmets yeah you know, that's and That's really nice. you know, We're
2: all... And the built-in story of, like, trying to get to the top of something is so universal. Like, yes. Yeah. Like, having a dream and, like, yeah, like God. <laughs> uh, but the other thing I was going to say that we... Um, that i think about a lot is you know most of the real rap growth is in cities you know and i think obviously that goes with gyms and stuff but i mean it's crazy because we map all of our tour growth you know the ticket sales in each location over the years and you know in the ski in the smaller towns where we started like durango and stuff it's not that different than it was yeah 15 <laughs> years ago oh, you know right. maybe it was like in durango it was like 200 people 15 years ago. And this year was like three or 400, you know, it's not like, it's not like we're seeing crazy growth in that area, but then, you know, like, um, you know, like I, I I mean, any city I'm just like, you know, we didn't even do shows in like New York until, you know, until probably real rock eight or something or nine. And then, you know, we sell out the, you know, a thousand seat theater there, like, you know, weeks in advance and, so like, so, but what I think about is the, the, um, so all those people, like most of their experience with climbing, I mean, a lot, hopefully a lot of them don't even climb. They're just like friends. They know it's a cool mm-hmm. film and they want to yeah, see yeah. it and they're friends and stuff. But a lot of them, their experience with climbing is climbing in the gym and then maybe going outside on the weekend and going yes. bouldering or yeah. like doing some, you know, like well-protected sport climbing or something and, or maybe a little bit of track climbing, but I, I, I want them to like come out of real rock and be like, be like, like, you know, like I can push al- it. <laughs> Alpine climbing, like me climbing at my gym is connected to like, oh, you know, ex- Him- Himalayan Alpine climbing and to like what Alex Honnold does and yeah. to like, you know, what people are doing in some other country or, you know, like, like I want them to realize that like, because when I got into climbing, it was a subculture and it was, that's what drew me in was like reading the old, you know, French mountaineering literature and like the book climb about El Dorado Canyon and, you know, and like Royal Robins and all that stuff. And like, and I was just like, okay, like if I just like go do this little boulder problem out of Flagstaff, I'm part of the, like you realized it more. And I want, I want people to like go to real rock and be like, cool. Like, yeah, I just like started climbing at the gym with my friend, but like, I'm like entering this whole, it's like, it's like Narnia, you know, like I'm entering, (laughs) (laughs) I'm like going through the wardrobe and like, I'm part of this thing. And I want, I I think about that a lot of like, I want people to be like, like at the gym being like, yeah, like, I'm part part of of something, I'm part of something bigger, you know, it's not just like a work. It's not like, and I don't like, but like if you do CrossFit, for instance, I don't know, like I don't do CrossFit, mm-hmm. but and it seems awesome. I'm not trying to knock on CrossFit, but, <laughs> but I don't know. It just popped into my mind, but it's not like you're like, you're just there like getting fit and like doing a thing and getting stronger. And then you're kind of dreaming about like whatever else, yeah. you know, whatever thing you're trying to get fit for, or whatever reason you're trying to get fit, you're not part of this you know, you don't go to the CrossFit gym and you're like part of this world. Actually, like there's a history and a culture and a tradition and all these manifestations of that. And climbing is that. Like you just go into the oh. go into the spot and go bouldering and you're actually like entering yeah. this yes. whole world. And so I, I, you know, I really want people like all over the world who are seeing real rock to be like, yeah, like I'm part of something. Like, oh man, this, I'm part of something bigger. Fuck so, yeah. yeah, dude. That's a great answer. Okay. <laughs> I don't even know what the question was, but why? <laughs> but that was a great answer. Cl-
0: climbing's unique too because you can randomly end up climbing with one of the icons of the sport too. Just you walk oh, into the gym, and you're like, unique. oh, it's just me and Daniel Woods in this bouldering area. Like, <laughs> like that wouldn't happen with like you can't go to a basketball court and just be playing with right. LeBron James. Like, right. that's not gonna happen. Or like that's so crazy. <laughs> fucking Nina, like
1: one of the real rock muses in recent years we'll just go on a tour where she's giving clinics.
2: Yeah. And
1: once again, that'd be like, yeah, I'm getting a clinic uh, this weekend from Ben Roethlisberger on quarterback.
2: Like it's not going <laughs> to totally. fucking happen
1: totally. But you totally. can go to yeah, like sign up
2: last minute. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> so up last minute LeBron James is going to shoot me how to or teach me how to shoot <laughs> yeah, jumpers. Yeah. yeah. But no. you can do that with like it's Nina Williams.
2: Yeah. It's amazing.
1: Or it's fucking crazy. Yeah. Um can I ask a question about inspiration a little bit?
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: What? Um. I know we're probably running up against time, and yeah. I got a couple. What well, let's see. What I don't know.
2: It's oh, it's eight. Yeah, but
1: yeah. Let's wrap it. Let's wrap it up with a couple more. And I got a couple uh, of questions okay. that okay. I I cool, can't cool, let you get cool, out of here yeah, yeah. without asking. Um. So let's go inspiration first. The first uh-huh. one is where, outside of climbing films, not talking climbing yeah. films. Yeah, yeah. Where what are your like north stars? of inspiration for your filmmaking for filming, whether they be yeah. other films, books, yeah. art, yeah. whatever. Yeah. What is like imprinting itself on your life? That's made an indelible Mark that if you look at your films, you can see, Oh shit, that's sneaking in there a little
2: bit. Yeah. I mean, it's funny cause I think a lot of that goes back to, um, like when I was first deciding to become a filmmaker. So it was kind of in the late nineties yeah. time period. And that, there it was such a, golden era of like independent and foreign film. And like, there was just so much creativity happening then. Yes. Um, so like, I mean, just to name a few, like, definitely in the docu- in the outdoor documentary space, I mean, Stacey Peralta was always yeah. the model. I mean, right? Last time he I interviewed you,
1: with... we talked about this. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I mean, less so now, because he just hasn't, you know, made many films recently, and we've kind of moved, you know, like, that was, like, leading up to Valley Uprising and stuff. We're like, yeah, we got to do our, like, Dogtown and Z-Boys of climbing, you know? To this and... day, it's my favorite um, documentary of all time. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's am- number one Dude, on my list. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. And... um. You know, but like, um, and then a lot of other docs. You know, I the ones that are popping into my mind, like Grizzly Man, was one. Oh. I was just like, holy shit! That's oh, so weird. Know? And yeah, it's <gasps> fucking bizarre movie. Yeah, oh, it's amazing. And, um, yeah, but then like, I mean, definitely I've been more inspired. I mean, I've just always watched indie films, like going way, way back. And you know, I used to go to Sundance with my dad when I was like you know in college and high school and stuff and we'd go out oh, and just like watch films and stuff and um uh, but there was one the film that i like i i feel like i credit with like the reason i became a filmmaker it was this danish movie called festin is celebration and do you guys know like when the dog the day there are all these like lars von trier and thomas <laughs> Vinterberg yeah. and all these like danish filmmakers like back in the late 90s and they were doing they created this dogma thing and they created all these rules around filmmaking where like you could go on a set, but you could, like, you go on location. You only shot on location. You could only use natural lighting, and you couldn't use tripods. Like, they wanted to, like, kind yeah. of make it, like, austere, like, as natural as possible. And tri- And so there's just, like, 10 or 15 films that came out, and they were all good, and they were all, like, getting released here in the States. But the best one was this movie Fest, and It's, like, I haven't seen it in a long time. I'm going to check it out. Dude, it's awesome. It's, yeah. It's like, I, I mean, I went, I lived in New York at the time, and I went and saw it in the theater, like, three or four times Whoa. and i just was like "Is like this is the this is the coolest movie ever um i might watch it now and be like i don't know it's kind of weird it's, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to, yeah um but I, like i liked and because i've never like i was kind of saying before i've never been like super huge on like Cinematography, like the the the, I never like getting lost in the beauty. I'm, it's more like story and character yeah. that like really sure. I get super excited about, and I like like yeah. kind of fast paced like filmmaking and stuff like the stuff that I like to watch, yeah. and um so but I I do like like beautiful poetic moments and stuff like that you know like I mean Grizzly Man is a great example. It's <gasps> like so. It's so um, scratchy and kind of rough and tumble. But yes. then there's like these just like moments of poetry where you're just like, oh my God, like it's a, you know, it's an incredible movie. Um, so yeah. I, I mean, I just think back to that, that whole time period, but, um, but there's, yeah. And then art, I mean, I love, you know, art and, and stuff too. And I have an uncle who's a big, like pretty famous New York like really famous New York artist really? oh really oh. so like I'd spent a lot of time with him and like that whole scene when I was in oh. New York and like I so I, lo- I love art just just from like knowing him and that and like that and stuff and I, and, that, and I do get really inspired by some of the like some of those ideas because I, I does seem like good art like the stuff that really breaks through is like it's often like a really good idea it's like art is like ideas yes you know it's mm-hmm. like it's' And then the one, the stuff that just totally makes it, it's like the right idea at the right time, you know, it's like, and it's reflecting like what came before and then like what's going on in society and what other people are doing and stuff. But it, it is like, I think the stuff that really breaks through is, it, it always is like, just like iconic. Yeah. Indelible Cap, Cap, too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, I, I was just going to say, I think to go back a little bit to you and Josh and like your strengths and weaknesses, I think, your strengths are kind of highlighted, I I think, in Front Range Freaks really well. Because uh-huh. cause you, you talk about how you love story and character. And I think Front, Rage, Front Range Freaks is, like, all about these crazy characters that, you know, live in Boulder. <laughs> and Biscuit the climbing dog. Of course. Which... <laughs> and uh, I think Josh on Josh's end where his, like, the dosages were all, like, really awesome climbing porn, you know. And then you guys coming together to, I don't know. Balance each other out. Yeah. yeah, it's just a, it's a good, it's really cool. It's game. weird. The
2: dosage is, it is climbing point, but it's, yeah. it's like actually amazing, like visual storytelling. Yeah, like the way, I mean, he's just the way you watch someone climb those yes. roots. Oh, it's so like, good. It's and it's made for people who, you know, it's made for an audience that already is gonna appreciate yeah. that. But he's so good. It just like. You know, slowing down like just the way you would tell any sort of story, yes. but it's just the climb. Like mm. slowing down at the dramatic moments, the the audio Man. cues and yeah. and the cl- the different angles and stuff. Like it is, I think dosage is actually awesome yeah. storytelling. It's just simple storytelling, mm-hmm. and it's not trying to cater to a broader audience. It's yeah. just like trying to cater to like people yes. who who are in the know. Which is he amazing. built that foundation. Yeah, like I see guys like Chuck Freiberger.
1: When he was making those great films, and I know he's done a lot of shooting for you guys as well. But I see guys like Chuck Freiberg, and I was like, "That is Josh Lowell's baby." Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Everybody was copying Josh. (laughs) Right, well, not even copying, just taking off where Josh kind of where you guys came together and started making films together. And Josh kind of had like this legacy sitting there and guys like Chuck Freiberger were like snuck in and were like, I can, I'm going yeah, to yeah, do that. I, I, yeah. Chuck no.
2: has, Chuck has like a good sense of humor. He's awesome. Stuff oh. that he adds
1: to it too. Okay. I got one more question. And then if you have any more, go for it. <clears throat> so I want to talk about your capturing these sometimes maybe once in a lifetime events, these events that as soon as the climber's feet leave the ground, this is going to be it and you're there to document it. What is the pressure of that? Like for the entire crew? Yeah. Um, because maybe there are no second chances. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or yeah. it, if they do it and you fuck it up. Yeah. Like, uh, how was I going to say it? uh Anyway, it's a ton of pressure. It's a ton of yeah, pressure yeah, on yeah, the climber, yeah. Totally. but they get to keep trying until they do it. Yeah. Well, you guys only get one chance to capture yeah. them actually like achieving. Yeah. And you're there for that specific reason. Yeah. Talk about that pressure and maybe how you've dealt with it over the years. Yeah. Because that I strikes mean, me as well. Yeah. Wild. I mean,
2: it's funny because I don't, you know, I don't touch our cameras anymore. I'm not like allowed to touch our cameras anymore. (laughs) So I have to kind of go back personally. I mean, it's really like if I'm on a shoot with Brett, with Brett Lowell, like we do a lot of shoots together, um, you know, he's shooting. And I mean, like, you know, I'm kind of there like managing the whole situation. So I can feel, you know, but I'm not like, I'm not holding the cameras. But you're
1: fucking stake in the game. Yeah. yeah, absolutely Yeah. 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 Just
2: so you just, I don't want to like, take credit where <laughs> like, cause the last yeah i like dropped a lens recently it's like thousands <laughs> That's of bucks like, yep, you can't touch anything it's <laughs> <laughs> like goddamn it um but yeah i mean that is yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm not really sure what to say about it. I mean, you described it really well. There's, just, there's just pressure, Shit. you know, like I'm that is the thing. Right? You got to just be there. You don't, you can't affect what they're doing. You can't read, you know, often you can't readjust. Like you got to you know. I mean, often if it's that level of thing, you need to, um, you know, they've done some try, some attempts and fails. So you kind of know where your you logistics be are kind of set up. Yeah. But I mean, I think something we really think about on the, a sense, like, the often like the magic of the ascent comes through at the top, like that reaction when sure. they top out and afterwards and just the way, like that is something you can't recreate. I mean, something, and again, I didn't shoot this, um, but, um, Maddie hung and, um, his buddy shot when Margot did oh, her first 15 yeah. a John, um, and yeah,
1: John Cardwell.
2: Yeah, I I'm, I'm trying to remember who was at the anchor. Um I can't remember who was at the anchor actually. But that moment. This was um, realization?
1: No, or La she Rambla? did.
2: Yeah, La Rambla. Rambla. And it was funny cuz I was just talking to Wendy Candelaria or you know or I do Rob Candelaria's uh, I know wife. Rob. Yeah, they live like right next door. No, like Jesus. two doors away here. Fucking
1: climbing royalty next door. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. It's awesome and I see them I run into Wendy all the time and she was just asking me for that um that clip, because she knew, she coached Margo when Margo, was, oh a, my God, when Margo wow. was a kid. And she was like, Margo was someone who was like never, hap- never satisfied. It was never good enough. Yeah. It was never good enough. And she was just saying to me, she saw in Margo's face yeah. when she starts crying at the top. She's like, that was the first time in Margo's life that she was like, that was okay, that was good enough. Holy for like shit. a moment. Of course, then she has to go do another. yeah But yeah. for <laughs> that fleeting moment, oh my God. she was like, that was good enough. That, you, you're you never, ever, ever going to get that again. You know, yes. on a sport climb like that, you can go back and be like, Margot, can we shoot some close-ups the next yeah. day, you know, or something, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, so there was a ton, like on the Dawn Wall, there was a ton of that, you know, Tommy breaking down at yeah. the, I mean, just obviously all the pitches they did and like, yes. um, but then like Tommy breaking down on Wino Tower, you know? And yes. The conversations they're having and stuff. And, and that is the stuff that is like, you know, the true great, yeah cinematographers nail not just the actual climb I mean, they got to nail the climb but you know you often you have
1: those moments you
2: know where you're going to be but then it's like it's that emotion it's the humanity that kind of comes out of that and that capturing that emotional thing
1: it's just the reason i ask is it all seems so easy like the wino tower thing is just such a um a bro moment like the 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 cameraman becomes a part of the movie and just like fuck it i don't this is my friend
2: yeah 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 and And that's i mean that's brett and he was yeah you know and and tommy said that and it's so funny in so many of the interviews when i was like sitting down for the big interviews with tommy and after and he was like he was like yeah it wasn't really just me and kevin it was me and kevin and brett and it's like yeah that's not gonna work it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> not gonna work for the movie i'm glad you feel that way you know? <laughs> sorry, like, brett. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Brett. you're not gonna be on the poster yeah. there's two of you it's a buddy movie <laughs> exactly
1: um I think that's it, yeah, man. That's good. I mean, I, I do have 60, 60 more questions here, but maybe we'll steal you again next year. Yeah, before, yeah, let's wrap it up. We'll, the next... leave, we'll leave. Some, yeah, no, that's some, some, good. Some. I'm so um,
2: glad that Wendy thing because I have to fucking text Wendy. <laughs> <out>. Wendy! Um, <laughs> thanks, man.
1: Yeah, thank, Dude, we thank we you understand. guys. That was fun. Yeah. That yeah. super good. fun.
2: That's way that's way more fun than the ones I've done in the past. <laughs> right. Well, it's cool <laughs> yes. just being able to like talk. Yeah, that's good. That's fun.
0: Yeah, I, I lean left social injustice don't give my respect now some say my heart it's bleeding out of my chest. If I
1: had to so here's the thing one of the lessons you kind of learn doing this show right I mean, you've likely learned this these people that we get to interview like peter mortimer with these resumes um that just unspool with like achievements and feats and wonderful creative things or new routes or whatever they're doing in the climbing medium um, you kind of walk into some of these interviews like oh shit Like, should I be intimidated or nervous but to a person so far at least every single climber we've talked to is just totally down to earth and it, it seems like almost not self aware of the contribution that they're making to the sport or the lifestyle climbing yeah. you know what I mean They're just normal people they're just like I mean I guess I don't expect them to turn into a <laughs> fucking big bird or anything but
0: you know what I mean yeah we've uh, it's been great to get to meet these I guess not not celebrities se, but, but important figures in the climbing community and I mean I mentioned it in the intro but I'm i've been a big fan of the big up real rock and center film stuff for years so uh it's it's always nice to see that you know someone like peter is actually a super nice welcoming guy and not pretentious at all super humble happy to talk about like their shortcomings and experiences with you know thundercling podcast and and i wasn't listening sorry i'm driving (laughs) fuck. Dave's taking this turn at 195 miles We're per hour. Pretty Turns out it's a little bit sketchy. This but, is super sketchy. But Dave's doing good. He no longer is gesticulating with his left hand. No, it's, it got serious in a hurry here. Yeah,
1: why is that word so terrible? I've only been so driving for a couple years, man. Jesus, I, I failed my driver's
0: license for a number of years, almost two decades. That is really good to hear for me. It makes me <laughs> feel real good and safe and sound. Well,
1: Peter... Uh, thank you for spending some time with us. That he's like uh, one of the busiest dudes in yes. climbing right now yeah. with the Real Rock Tour, like just revving up its engines uh-huh. and cycling up to do 600 freaking shows this year. So super grateful yeah, that fun. he could carve out a couple hours. Yeah, for us. fun
0: fact: we took us. This is our third attempt to uh, do the interview, and we finally both lined it up. Yeah, we had to cancel on each other, though. He canceled on us,
1: and And then then we fucking got him back.
0: Yeah, that's right. No one cancels on the Thunder Clink (laughs) podcast.
1: If you cancel on us, you
0: can guarantee that Uh, we will cancel on you next time. Or maybe it turns out, uh, you know, Feedy's work runs a little late, and have a little bit of a late star in the traffic and you no, feel really to, bad about had it to call him and we couldn't do it and then yeah anyway anyways um <laughs>
1: also uh, let's talk about real rock real yes. quick uh so real rock is touring the country right now well jesus it's in bogota colombia tomorrow it's touring the world yes um, worldwide so if you guys get the opportunity to go check it out it's 20 bucks for like the one time that our entire climbing community gets together on like an international basis, yes. gets to share the same <laughs> films. If you're in Denver, we wanted to get this out before both <laughs> Real Rocks, but that didn't work well. So the Friday showings, I think this is gonna come out Friday morning. Um, you tell us, but if you want to go see it in Denver, pick up a ticket, and you can throw some tomatoes at me. Yeah, Dave's rotten, gonna host it. tomatoes. Dave's
0: the host in Denver, which is amazing. I'm doing it without my pants this year. Yes, it's gonna be kind of controversial. It's gonna be kind of new, but we're hoping to push the limits. He's just gonna have Thundercling podcast spray painted on his face. I feel like I want to bring sexy back to like yeah, but the for real rock, for, you know, on a real real note. If you have never seen a real rock in person. Please go check it out. It's so much fun. Uh, the energy and the vibe of the crowd is something really special. And uh, it's not the same to just watch the films on their own, even though they stand alone uh, very well. So that's And this my, year's lineup is hilarious. And this year's lineup really looks funny. really, really good. And, uh, please, please, please. 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 Listen, it, do we have to beg? Do we, I'll, I'll beg. I'll come to your house and I will get on my knees begging. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa, Feedy, this is a family program. Jeepers,
1: cripes. Creepers.
0: And you can get a hold of us at <laughs> thunderclingpodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. And if you want to check us out on Instagram, please, uh, we're there as the thethundercling. We love all the uh, messages and communication we get. We always write back, mainly Dave, because uh, I always forget the login for the email. Sorry committed uh also thanks for the couple reviews we got this
1: week if you guys have uh time and wherewithal and inclination uh go ahead and leave us a rating and review or tell a friend tell your mom you know i know your mom is probably sitting at home like <laughs> i wish i had some media that i could get really psyched on
0: yeah maybe and this she, under nothing, thing is for her nothing would rile her up more than listening to two boys and talking into these microphones about is clamor hurtling down the highway
1: thank you for listening we aren't gonna keep you any longer check out the real rock thank you Peter Mortimer Feedy we made it we're like three minutes away from my house I pretended that we crashed so I actually stopped recording for a second would have been better drama if we would have fucking crashed or I would have gotten pulled over for speeding god yeah. we could have interviewed the cop
0: <laughs> what if the cop would have been a climber too? <laughs>
1: Fucking, we need to figure something Excuse out. Excuse
0: me, um, I noticed that there's some chalk in your back, and I love rock climbing. Could you guys tell me, please, uh, what you guys are climbing on? I'd be like, that's cocaine, bro. <laughs> and with that?
1: This is actually the first time I've ever driven back to Denver not on cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, should we end it? Okay, bye. Bye-bye.